Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the Signature and Leadership Podcast. For those of you who are listening for the very first time, my name is Julian Carl and I'm the CEO and the co-founder of Synergen Group. I'm passionate about all things leadership and management, so passionate in fact that I decided to start a podcast about it. Here we are in season two and my purpose for the podcast continues to be the same, to raise the standard of leadership. In today's show, I introduce some content around a framework called the Nine Box Grid. So this is an approach to looking at people's performance and their potential. It's our 12th content episode for season two, and it's also the 12th content episode of our Synergen curriculum ecosystem. Now, the reason I wanted to introduce you to the model is not only because it's getting a lot of traction that I talk to, I've become very much focused on the idea that the only way we can enable leaders at an organizational level is to give them the tools, models, and frameworks so we can then hold them accountable. So during the episode, I begin by giving some background on the nine box grid. I introduce the basis of the model, which is all about performance and potential. We look at how the model can be applied in a practical sense within a team environment, and we look at all nine boxes. I end the episode by looking at how models like this one can be used to identify people as part of the succession planning process. So keep listening. As always, really like to hear your thoughts on our content around a nine box grid. And if there is any leadership or management idea or content that you'd like me to explore on the show, please send me through an email, LinkedIn message. On with the show. Happy listening. Welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian returns in 2019 with weekly conversations with leaders and authors from Australia and around the world, giving you the opportunity to share in their journey and learn from their expertise and knowledge. Julian also shares some of the tools and techniques he uses as a leader, mentor and facilitator, helping you to build your leadership capability and improve your confidence as a leader. So it's really good to be back here uh, with you with another content episode of the Sinjin Leadership Podcast. Really uh, enjoying these curriculum ecosystem episodes because I think what they do is really provide a little bit of insight into some of the models which we've been using in our programs and some of the, the ways you can apply it in the workplace. And so today's one, which uh, I'll put it out there straight away, is not one that uh, I've been working with for a long time. It's one that I've uh, been coming to recently and been doing a little work with recently. And it's really this nine box grid, uh, which is a format for looking at the performance and potential of individuals and really trying to consider them from the perspective of succession planning and what should we do with the people in any any team, any business. And so what, one of the things you'll first find when you go into uh, Google and, and look for nine box grid, you'll find that there's all these different variations of it. The only thing they have in common is that there's nine boxes, but you have some that are color-coded, some that use different language, some that you know use very specific labels and some use descriptors. And what I've found as I've been exploring this, this, this idea and this piece of content is that I tend to put three of them together and they, they, when you put them all three together, they tend to work really well for me. So I want to start by you know, probably just sharing, I think, why it's useful to do this exercise. And look, we, one of the things I always talk about in, in the programs that I run is that we, we, we should have a clear idea of who is in our business, who is in our team, who could be a successor. And succession planning is one of the fundamental things that leaders, as they become more and more uh, specialized, leaders as they get higher and higher, 
uh, on the hierarchy. Leaders, as they become more and more key people of risk, realistically, succession planning should be becoming a much more prevalent conversation. And whilst I find many leaders agree, I find that there's not a lot of strong uh, succession planning going on in, in the workplace. And I think that can be a real challenge. And so I think what the, the nine box grid does is it just gives you a simple model. And I'm now firmly convinced that the only way leaders will perform at their capacity is if they have a series of models, tools, and frameworks, which they can apply in different situations. And I think that now then becomes the role of the organization to determine which models and frameworks they are, because that's how you enable leaders to perform at their peak. And you've heard me do an episode on this idea of a leadership enablement. And the more that I think about it, the more I work in this area, and the more I talk to people about it, it's becoming very, very apparent to me that leaders are not enabled to be the best they can be. And you know, again, I'll say it once more, the way organizations can do that is through providing tools, models, frameworks for leaders to try in real life, in practical application, as opposed just to going along to a training session. I think we've, we've got to look at what's the enablement structure which sits underneath any sort of education piece. So let's start with, with, with how the nine box looks. And I, uh, and I know this is a, an audio podcast. So I'll do my best to describe it for you. And if you're, if you're sitting down listening to this in front of your laptop or in your headphones, something like that, well, maybe a pen and paper is handy. If you are listening to this where you obviously can't get access to a pen and paper, well, then maybe it's worth re-listening at another time. But essentially, uh, you have two axes. And down the, the left-hand side of an axis of a table, you have this idea of potential. And this is really where you're starting to think about, you know, what is the potential of this particular individual? Where could they go if they really applied themselves? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What, where's their capability? Where's their passion? How long have they been in the business? What do they know about their business? Who are they working with in the business? These are all questions which come into this idea of potential. And importantly, where do they want to go in the business? And then the bottom maxi is this idea of performance. And that is based on the current role they're in now because that's all we can effectively measure them on is their current role. We can't measure them on where we think they're going to be. We need to measure them on our current role. So the first two parts are potential down the left, performance across the bottom. Now I'd like you to imagine a series of three by three boxes within that. And essentially down the bottom you've got, so essentially they have low potential and they are a low performer. So this is where they're not meeting performance expectations and they demonstrate limited potential. And the reason is they may have reached their job potential. So then we've got a decision to make. So it's time to act. Is it a bad hire? Is it a poor fit? Do we need to consider a replacement? Or do we need to consider a significant performance improvement? Or finding you know, a more suitable role so essentially, you do have two choices here. You can performance manage or you can exit them from the business. And if you ever see any of the color-coded versions of the nine box grid, this is definitely one which is color-coded as red. Essentially, these people are not adding value to your team, to your business. And you know, I just did a podcast earlier today, an interview, and one of the key things the, the person I was interviewing was talking about was this idea of exiting rapidly. Because if someone is a low performance and low potential, 
what value are they really provide? So then I'd like you to, to move uh, up one grid. So we're still on the left-hand side. And this is where you have someone who's a medium level potential, but still a low performer. So this is where they show some perform, uh, potential, but performance is considered low. One of the things we need to do is focus on the reasons for low performance and actions to improve it. So it's, it's interesting if you think about, well, if they're medium potential, why are they performing low? We need to dig and we need to understand this. And, you know, if there isn't an improvement potential, should be reassessed and performance improvement plan put in place. So these is, this is someone who we need to observe closely because we have a dilemma, don't we? Uh, can improvements be made quickly? Are they likely to have scope to move a level? Do we need to provide coaching? to this particular individual. So we're really starting to get into the realm of, you know, needing to ask some serious questions about why we feel someone sits in this position on the grid. And then if we look at the top left hand of the three, someone's got high potential and they're a low performance. These people are essentially an enigma. You know, they, they, they may be someone who's recently been promoted and hasn't had the opportunity to demonstrate high performance. You know, it could be somewhere where we need to focus on coaching and solid development. Maybe they're in the, the wrong job or they have the wrong manager. Maybe they need intervention. Is it a lack of skill or a lack of will? And do they have potential to move further, but they're not performing? So this person is a real enigma because you can see the potential they have. Yeah, the performance level just doesn't, doesn't match their potential. And so we, we've got to ask ourselves as leaders, as, as, as practitioners of leadership, what are we going to do with this person? Because they're an enigma. And again, questions are going to be the key to this. So what we've done in, in this first little piece is look at the, the three uh, boxes on the left-hand side. So we've got low potential, low performance, medium potential, low performance, high potential low performance. Now I'd like you to imagine that we're moving across into this middle column of three boxes. And down the bottom, we have someone who is uh, essentially low potential, but medium performance. So these people are specialized. They've got some talent. They've reached their career potential and they're performing. And so what we need to do is consider how can we engage, focus, motivate them? We've got to ask ourselves, can progress be made in the future? Do they perform to the standards? And really what we want to do here is we want to focus on maximizing performance while assessing future potential or maybe a more suitable role. These people were really just observing to see where, where they are at the moment. But they are quite effective because they are providing us with a, with a level of performance. And remember, people can be high performers but not have that high potential simply because they don't want to go anywhere else in the organization. Then we move into the, the, the middle one, and this is essentially the, the, the mid uh, the box that's right in the middle of all nine, and these people are your core employees. Medium potential, medium performance. Uh, you can motivate them, you can engage them, you can reward them. You know, they've got potential for increased accountability and they're meeting current performance expectations. So the development focus becomes on increasing their performance contribution to high and also looking at or how, or how we assess their potential growth. So these people are very much the ones we want to focus in on developing. Now, if you move to the top, 
you've got someone that's medium performance, high potential. These people are valuable assets for the organization. There's still room for maximizing their performance in the current role. And where we want to focus on increasing performance, contributor high, we want to see how and what challenges we can give them. So we really want to start to stretch and develop these people. They're very valued in talent. We've got to recognize and develop them. And they're always exhibiting high levels of potential. So this could be someone to watch. And then we move back over down to the bottom right where we're in this, uh, they're a low potential but a high performer. So these people can be strong performers but unlikely to move to a higher level role. And again, this isn't always a bad thing because these people may not want to move to a higher role. Engagement will be important for these people because we need to keep their import, their performance where it is currently and we really need to focus on what we can do to maintain their level of engagement and performing at that level. They may be a specialised or expert talent. So it may be that they're interested in, in extending their breadth and depth of knowledge in a specialist area. And so these people can be really valuable to the business. And sometimes, you know, professional business or content experts sometimes fit into this, that, that sort of box. Then we move up one. So they're medium potential and they're a high performer. And this is where what we sometimes consider a high impact performer. They're a strong contributor. They challenge you. They reward you. They grow. They motivate. They're exceeding performance expectations. And they're a very good candidate for growth and development. And employee development really needs to focus on the specific gaps. So is there anything specific we need to do to drive them to the very top? And the very top, and the very top right-hand uh, box here is this future leader. This is the highest potential, the best for senior succession. So they're high potential and high performance. So they've mastered their current role and they're ready and importantly anticipating a new challenge. So your next steps are to give them greater responsibility, greater scale or scope. These people where we need to really stretch them, retention becomes critical. And we just need to keep building their strength so that then we can continue to use them as a very valuable asset and at the same time develop them into the leaders that they want to be. So that's the starting point of the, the, the nine box grid where you know I've just tried in an audio format to give you the the overview of the the nine boxes and what they mean. What I'm going to talk to you now is just want to dig in a bit deeper about how we actually use this. So there's uh, five things I'd like you to consider in terms of using uh, the nine box grid uh, effectively. And the first one is this idea of preparing early. And so what we know is that everything related to performance, it's always a good idea to start planning early. So that involves talking to your leadership team about the nine box planning session you know you don't want to waste anyone's time and so you want to talk to them about the process in advance give them time to understand what's involved and let them you know gather their thoughts i mean some organizations find it beneficial to engage an external facilitator who can essentially help coordinate everyone ensure that they're prepared prior to the session second point which is important when you're using this is this idea of you know setting certain criteria so it's not just going to be that simple to, you know, have a nine box grid on the wall and just, you know, randomly put people where you think. There's got to be some sort of criteria. Uh, you know, if you look at an example, 
and it's probably an easier example because they're easier to measure. But if you look at salespeople, salespeople's performance is generally easier to measure because ultimately they're responsible for customers, they're responsible for revenue, they're responsible for number of sales, number of contracts. However you particularly manage the sales team uh, is up to you. But what, what we can always do is find a very clear measure. And so you can set criteria for that because if someone was and used revenue as an example, you know, as a high performer, are they exceeding their revenue targets on a regular basis? So you've really got to set the criteria. And I think, you know, aligning the criteria to position descriptions, past performance reviews, I think is going to support you in making it uh, a more useful exercise. I mean, potential that can be tough to, to determine how much potential someone has. So we've probably got to come together and provide some level of uh, definition. So everyone's on the same page because we want some, want everyone in the room as we're going through the nine box to really start to feel as though, yep, okay, I understand what potential is. And you know, if I'm not considered high potential and that's because of X, that's okay. Look, once you've set all the criteria, it's really important that, questions become a key part of this you know the questions need to be written and designed in such a way that they they, that they elicit some really good responses and you know sometimes this is where you, you would bring in your your hr practitioners in many cases that be hr practitioners or talent and management that would be running this type of program but we want to make sure that we're getting meaningful outcomes we want to make sure that the information we're getting is enable us to really develop a good picture about who are our high potentials, who are our people that are ready for succession. Because one of the things that this will also do is highlight where the gaps are. So what do you need to do to really start to develop someone to move them into the next group, wherever that may be, the next box. So once you've done that, it's, it's, it's important to also think about, you know, what, what, what have we got here? What are our results? So whatever the size of the team that you're doing the nine box on, you, you want to take the time to have a look and you might want to plot an, an entire team nine box so you can see exactly what the spread is. It's really important to think about where they fit because there, there might be levels within each box, for example, where people can are more ready to move into the next box than others. It could be that people you know, are very happy where they are and they don't want to move well then we need to analyze those results and understand why they don't want to move is it is it intrinsic to them is it because they don't feel as though there's the opportunity to move and they're tired is it because of lifestyle who knows what we do know is that we've got to take the time if you're going to even do this project properly it's worth taking time to analyze what the results are and then one of the, the final things I suggest you do is don't make this a one-off event. Uh, I know that, you know, it's, it's, it can be a big undertaking, but it's important that, you know, as a result of this, we schedule catch-ups with people who've gone through the nine box process. How are they going in their development? And this is something which really is done early on in the talent management process, in my view. Because once we've identified where we believe people sit in terms of the nine box grid, we then need to take to that next level and think about well, what's the best way for that individual, that person to be developed so they can move. 
And for some people, that's going to be attend training. For other people, it's going to have a coach. For other people, they need to uh, act in an acting in role. For other people, they need to be involved in a project. So what the nine box does is, is, is really position people, where do we want to invest our money? Once we've identified on who we want to invest the money, how are we going to invest our money with each of these people? And what are we actually looking to achieve? What outcomes are we looking to achieve? And I think what the, what the nine box does is it gives you that outcome. It says we want to move this person from this box into this box. And that is going to be a measure of our success. So there's a number of other points I want to cover in terms of what, why we should do this. And I think one of the most important reasons we should do it is it establishes tomorrow's leaders. So these are the people that may or may not be in a leadership role. These are the people which, uh, for whatever reason, we have an inkling that they, they have potential. And it's quite interesting. I was asked recently from one of our clients to be involved in some form of talent identification process because they believe that they have talent in the business. They just believe that they haven't identified it correctly. And so one of the conversations we had was, where do we start? Where do we start? And I think where, where we ended up starting was that we were going to look at the nine box and we're going to, some of the criteria we're going to set, for example, was had someone who had gone through one of the, the sort of benchmarking training programs, did they, had they completed it? And if they had completed it, what was their contribution like during the course of the program? And so what that does is it just gives a, some form of criteria, like I mentioned before, and enable us to start thinking about that person as a future leader. Because gut feel is not enough. We need a little bit more than gut feel when we're identifying future leaders. Another thing that the nine box also does is it identifies role suitability. So I mentioned before, some people might be performing but don't necessarily have potential. It's because they might not be suited to another role. People might be really happy doing what they're doing. They may, might be performing at a level which others can't. And they may be happy with that. And I think if you, if you go through this process, you'll be able to uncover that. You'll be able to unpack that. And that, that's, that's really valuable because those people become the core performers in your team. Even though you know that person is not going to move up in terms of potential, you know that they're delivering a high level of performance. And, and as leaders, that's what we always want. One of the other things you need to think about with the nine boxes, it's going to enable us to plan for our success. I mean, succession planning is crucial. We know that we need to do it. We know the best practice tells us that we should have at least two to three individuals identified for each significant role in the business. And not only who those individuals are, but the time frame in which they'll be ready and what development needs to occur for them to actually move into those roles. And as part of that planning success, and now we should just set the goal. So what are we actually trying to achieve with each, each development piece? Where, what does each person need to achieve in terms of what goals do they need to hit to demonstrate that they're ready to move into the next role or, or potentially move into the next box on the grid? The other thing the nine box does is it allows us to track performance because we really need to make sure we've got key criteria in terms of what performance measures we're going to use to determine where someone fits on the nine box. So unless you've got those performance measures uh, already done, what the nine box will do is help you to create them because without them, you can't actually measure someone's level of performance. 
And it also encourages a significant level of communication because you have the manager involved, you have the individual involved, you have the relevant HR people involved, depending on how far uh, you want to take the implementation of this in your workplace, you can potentially have peers involved. So you've got communication improving, you've got communication increasing, people know where they sit, people understand what's expected from them, people are communicating about their experience of the nine box. So you can see why what it would do is really start to build the communication piece. As it, as it does that, it's going to enable collaboration going to enable people to work together more effectively, people to be able to understand different perspectives and think about how can they work on projects? How can we deliver better level of outcome for our employers? And all that comes from this focus on communication and collaboration. One of the most important things that the nine box does is it promotes transparency. Now, transparency in the sense that everyone knows how performance and potential is being measured, being looked at, being viewed. I certainly don't advocate that you do a nine box grid for every single person in your team and you put where they are and then you frame it and put it on a wall. Certainly we could recommend that, especially for those people that are sitting in that, 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 that lower left hand area where they're not performing and they don't really have a lot of potential. That's not useful for anyone. We need to try to bring people up, not tear them down. But if we can promote transparency through the conversations, through explaining why Ninebox is being used as, as a mechanism for looking at where people go to. I think it can be really useful from that perspective. You know, and obviously, you know, the Ninebox does empower development. Someone's gone through the process, they've gone through the workshop, they have discovered that where the organisation views them in terms of their, their potential and performance, if they really want to get to the next level, well, then they'll be putting their hands up for, for development. They'll be suggesting ideas, suggesting techniques, suggesting ways in which they can build their capability as leaders to enable them to move from one box to another. If they don't, if they don't feel empowered to develop, well, then they're certainly not going to do much with the nine box. So really, they go hand in hand. And what nine box does is it allows them not only to feel empowered, but to take ownership. So they can take ownership of what it is they need to work on, what it is they need to improve on. Ownership is a big thing when leaders are getting higher up the organisational chart, higher up the hierarchy. They're wanting to have a piece of ownership, whatever it might be, their team, their division. Ownership is becoming, I think, one of the more and more important things to leaders because we, as leaders, we don't just want to be told we're performing a function and it doesn't matter whether it's, we're there or not because where's the ownership in that? So I think one of the things Ninebox does is it really does help promote that sense of ownership. And just in rounding off this section about some of the key points to consider about the Ninebox, is it does three more things which I think are, are very important. Number, number one of these three is it motivates people. You know, people see where they sit in the nine box and they think, no, no, I'm going to get to that next box. I'm going to prove to this organization I am motivated. I'm going to prove that I'm capable and competent. It can be very much a motivating tool. And again, the caveat I put on that is that it's how it's introduced, how it's implemented from the start and the language that's used around it. It also does enable us to build talent, which is the second of these final big three things. We've got to retain our talent. You know, someone used with me the other day the, the phrase, the war, war for talent. 
and that all the organizations are screaming out for the best talent, the best talent, the best talent. But what the nine box does is allow you to do that. And then finally, it's about identifying risk. What are the risks that are associated with the business about not having a succession in place? What are the risks in terms of not having your high potentials identified? And that's a dangerous place to be when you go through this process and you don't have anyone succession ready. It's a dangerous position to be in if your key people decide to move on or are moved on. It's a dangerous position to be. So there's some some ideas around the, the nine box grid, the way it works and some of the key things we should be thinking about when we're utilizing the nine box. Again, it is one of these frameworks which is really useful for uh, being applied in the workplace. You can do it quite quickly. You can do it uh, very comprehensively. And I'm going to encourage you to think about what's right for you and your organization. I think the, 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 the effort you put in will deliver the outcome that you're looking for. So on that note, I'm going to pretty much wrap up this uh, content episode. This is the final content episode for uh, season two. So really looking forward to season three. We've already started recording for season three. Until then, bye for now and happy listening. Well, that wraps up episode 98 of the Synergy and Leadership Podcast, another content and curriculum ecosystem episode for you. I'd like to encourage you to head on over to the Synergy Group website and engage in the conversation with us. Tell us what you liked about the episode, tell us who you'd like us to interview, or tell us what sort of content you'd like us to deliver too. And if you are an iPhone user, please feel free, head on over to the Apple site and leave us a review. really does help us build awareness of the podcast. In next week's episode, we have another great business leader interview for you, where I chat to Nancy Youssef, who is the founder of Classic Mentoring and Coaching. It's another great business leader episode. Until then, love to hear what you think. Happy listening.